Hello, and welcome to Marriage Unchained, the art of one flesh, where saving marriages, saving families, and saving souls is the flavor of the day. Now, let's join our host and author of Marriage Unchained, Catholic Alpha Radical, Jerry Jacobs Jr. Welcome to episode 28. Today's focus, meet Catholic Alpha's dad. So, sit back, relax, take a chill pill, and get ready to rock, but don't duck. Can you feel it? Catholic Alpha Radical, coming at you now. Hello, and welcome to Catholic Alpha Radical, a Catholic relationship podcast giving you winning tactics for marriage problems, girlfriend problems, and intimacy problems for men. Moreover, where my main mission is to keep you out of divorce courts, and we're marriage unchained, the art of one flesh, divorce, combat coaching is the flavor of the day. While helping men understand marriage and courting, not dating in the Catholic faith. Why? Because dating is for sex and courting is for marriage. This is episode 28. Bam. <laughs> So now we have the quote of the day. We always start out with a quote because we get us rolling right. So here we go. Quote, from another point of view, sex seeks the part. Love the totality. Sex is biological and physiological and has its definite zones of satisfaction. Love, on the contrary, includes all of these, but is directed to the totality of the person loved. Example, as a creature composed of body and soul and made to the image and likeness of God. Love seeks the clock and its purpose. Sex concentrates on the main spring and forgets its mission to keep time. Sex eliminates from the person who has loved everything that cannot adapt itself to its carnal libido. Those who give primary to sex for that reason are anti-religious. Love, however, does not concentrate on a function, but on personality. An organ does not include the personality, but the personality includes the organ, which is another way of repeating the theme. Love includes sex, but sex does not include love. End quote. Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Book three to get married. everybody welcome to the show episode 28 i got a special show here today i got my pop on the line with me and we are gonna do some old reminiscing and i'm gonna learn some stuff because these are a lot of these questions that i have for him today i have not asked before and so uh my pop i guess daddy how old are you 73 73 he's and uh, I guess I'm 54. I'll be 55 here pretty soon uh, in May. So I guess uh, I'm getting up there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So welcome to the show, my father, Jerry Jacobs Sr. So how you doing tonight, Pop? Oh, I'm doing good. You are? Huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm ex excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent day. Yeah. <laughs> So what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you some questions and stuff, and um, I'm going to be real inquisitive because I uh, some things that I don't really know. And it's just a few questions to uh, to uh, see, you know, you know, take us back down memory lane a little bit and to see uh, about how I was as a kid and, you know, you and Papoose and grandmother and stuff and uh, just some things that we can talk about. So you ready to get started? Oh, yeah. Okay. So one of the things that 
I know we always talk about is, but I'm gonna start out with some simple stuff. Like, where were you born? Were you born in Indianapolis? Indianapolis, Indiana. That's right. Yeah, and uh, which side of town were y'all? Were you on? Do you remember where was it at? Where y'all lived at? Uh, close to downtown, about uh, like tenth and and Capitol, something like that. Shoot, I bet you know. back then it was dead. Indianapolis was real, real dead back then, wasn't it? Tell you the truth, in some ways it probably had more going in than it does now. Why in you, some ways, really? Why you say that? Yeah, because they had Indiana, had Indiana Avenue. People came from all over the world, come to Indiana Avenue to see the music and stuff. And uh, you know, it was just it was a, a, a tourist point, to, a tourist attraction to a degree. A lot of people have come to Indiana Avenue. Jazz, um, jazz, and blues. Yeah. Indiana Avenue. And but because Mary talks about it all the time, she says one of her uncles or somebody had a club there. She always talks about that. So okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So let's talk about your brothers and sisters. So how many brothers and sisters you got? Uh, I have one sister, and I had a uh, had a brother. Okay. And uh, uh-huh. so when, how was y'all like childhood and stuff? Like, were y'all real, were y'all like adversarial or were y'all more uh, close where y'all did things together and stuff like that? Uh, yeah. You mean the family or just, or just me and my siblings? Yeah. You and uh, Jeffrey and Judy. Oh, uh, me and, well, me and Jeffrey were just 13 months apart. So. Uh, we always, you know, did things together. Judy was about four, almost four years younger than myself. And so my sister, Judy, rather. Uh-huh. And so uh, we, uh, you know, we, we would do things. We would always do things. But I mean, she had a different set of friends than than uh, me and Jeffrey, you know. And Jeffrey had his own set of friends, too. But, you know, we had, when we were growing up, uh, you know, we used to play together a lot, you know, and, you know, just like kids do, you know. We we weren't like kids or, or today. We'd be outside a lot, whereas kids today are inside more. You know, doing doing video games and stuff like that. You know, man, so. I think that today kids being outside, like you know, like Jericho and Solomon when they were smaller. You know, back in I guess it's 2015, 14, 13, that area. They they would go outside, um, but they wouldn't go far. They would like be around the porch and stuff. But, you know, I was always even with the uh, I was always worried if they went too far that something would happen to them. But when, but when Max and when Max and Marcus were younger and that was in like the uh, 90s, I, I didn't feel as like that that much. You know what I mean? Well, if the times were different, uh, like when I was coming up, you know, we, we lived on we lived on several different sides of town, but. Uh, the main, I guess, um, main focus was two, two, two uh, neighborhoods. One was uh, uh, 115 uh, and 117. We had a duplex, uh, West 27th Street. And uh-huh. That was one block north. That was one block north of the old St. Vincent's Hospital. In fact, it was right on the alley. The alley was really right in the St. Vincent's Hospital. Maybe two blocks. Now it was about one block. I take that back. About one block, go right into St. Vincent's Hospital. We were north of St. Vincent's Hospital, so we would uh, you could walk right down the alley and go right into St. Vincent's Hospital from where we lived. Then we lived there. I don't know uh, till I was about ten years old. Then we moved uh, in the Butler Tarkington area on uh, Sunset One Forty Two Fifty Two Sunset Avenue, and uh, we got there. You know, we rode up bikes. We were growing older. We used to ride up into uh, Broad Ripple. Uh, we would ride up Butler University, uh, go all down the hills. And Man, that's a long way. Where? That's a long way from St. Vincent Hospital to Broad Ripple. Well, I guess no, it ain't well, that, that far. We moved. No, we moved. We we, we moved to uh, Butler Targeting in about when I was about 10 years old, about 1957, maybe. Uh-huh. Somewhere along in there. 1957. 58, that's when we moved in the Butler Tarkington area. And so, uh, you know, we used to go, like I said, go to Butler University, walk through the halls, you know, when, during, the, during the summer, during the summer, you know, some just some of the stuff. Uh, we used to go down to Holcomb Gardens, uh, used to ride our bikes down there. We, 
We stay on our bikes. Everybody stayed on our bikes. You know. Oh we, yeah. Was, uh, maybe <laughs> 10, 10, 10, 12. It was 10 or 12 of us. You know, we wouldn't all be together all the time. We usually three or four, five sometimes, you know, riding our bikes. Uh-huh. Uh, and we stayed uh, down the street from uh, the rentals. And the rentals, they were two girls, Mary and Joyce. And Mary and Joyce, they were like, I won't say, they were tomboyish in a way. Uh-huh. You know, so they would be with us too sometimes. Yeah. So you know, Mary... Man, Mary, Mary play ball, play ball better than a lot of dudes. <laughs> yeah. So, so y'all's yeah, child, so y'all's yeah. childhood was it? Let me ask it like this: Was it rough? Was it good? Was it bad? Or were you were y'all aware of the many problems in the world? Or were you just basically allowed just to be kids? Uh, we had, had a good childhood. We were allowed to be kids, you know, growing up, you know, just. You know, it wasn't like it was now. You know, it's a lot of stress and tension. Uh, a lot of things, you know, back then, uh, black parents try to shield their children from certain things, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, racism and stuff like that. You know, uh, yeah, I knew what it was, uh, but it was it wasn't something, you know, that especially uh, we were in, uh, in in Butler, the Butler Targeting area. And so, you know, it, it sort of. Uh, well, never did, you know, I'm quite sure things happened. I just don't remember at that particular time. So I was just 10 years old, whatever, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, we had a good childhood. Really, we did. You know, it seemed to me that y'all did because, you know, being around you and Jeffrey, when I was around y'all a lot, it's like when y'all did talk about being younger, y'all really, I mean, you could tell that y'all really kind of enjoyed it. Y'all had a good time together and stuff. Are you here to build a better marriage? Do you worry daily about the state of your relationship with your wife? Do you really understand how she thinks, how to keep her happy, her deepest needs and desires? Would you like to regain the respect, intimacy, devotion, and communication you once had? Or better yet, make your marriage better than it was, holier than it was, more impassioned than it was. Not sure where to begin? Visit www.savemycatholicmarriage.com and save your seat for the Marriage Masterclass today. If you're ready to man up, get your woman back and battle for your marriage, visit www.savemycatholicmarriage.com and enter the Marriage Masterclass now. So let me ask you this. How okay now we're gonna get to Papoose? So everybody, so Papoose is what we call my father, what everybody in the family calls my um my father's father. So Papoose, I'm the one, I guess as a baby, I guess I'm the one that gave him that name. And so it just kind of stuck. All the other kids started calling him that. So my <laughs> my question to you is like, Daddy, explain, like, talk about. Like to me, Papoose was real special, and he was a real special man. I looked at him as a as a as a uh, as a like a uh, a role model type thing. Because I'm I'm a, I'm a type person. I don't look at star. You know, I mean, I really like Magic Johnson, and I really liked like say, you know, uh, Roger Staubach and stuff growing up. But but they I didn't look at them as idols, or I didn't look at them as like role models. But I looked at Papoose as a role model. So my question to you is, like, talk about Papoose and how really important he was in your life. Uh, my father, his name is Jesse Jacobs. Yes, I'm seeing. I should I should have said. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know how I used to call somebody something and then that's. <laughs> yeah. well, well, my father, he was from uh, Huntsville, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a. I think the family had eight eight children in their family, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, one sister and seven brothers. And so, Daddy, uh, I came to uh, Indianapolis, I think, when he was like maybe 20 years old, somewhere along in there. Wow. He came down my grandfather. My grandfather, his father, uh, had moved up here before Daddy. And then Daddy and, and Uncle Rosie and Uncle Edward, they came later on. Those were, Uncle Edward was the oldest brother. 
And Uncle Rosie was his name was Roosevelt. He was younger than than Daddy. Not I mean, a couple of years, something like that. You know. Why so did Papoose, like, uh, Why did Papoose leave did Alabama? Huntsville. Why did you uh, know why he left? Ah, uh, well, uh, he got into. I mean, you don't have to say it specifically if it's bad, but you can you like give me like a kind of a why you think he, he left? He had to, he, he left as uh, he, he had to. He, he, wanted he, to. Uh, he got into a, an incident where he felt it was better for him to leave. Oh, got you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so he came to Indianapolis. So he got up here, and then Uncle Rosie and uh, and uh and all his basically two or three of his brothers followed him up here, right? Or was he the first one to come? Mm, I don't know. I think he may have been the first one because Uncle Edward had raised sort of raised him because my grandmother. I never daddy daddy's mother died uh, when he was nine years old. Oh uh, wow! He, he had uh, children. She'd have a lot of children, and and uh, they they took a toll on her. You so know, she was raised then, by so Papoose was raised by his daddy. He was oh. raised by really Uncle Edward. That was his older brother. He, he probably did more, you know, because my grandfather, when my grandmother died, that uh, he, he took, you know, he sort of went downhill from an emotional standpoint, and mm-hmm. you know, so he like I said, he moved up here. He worked at uh, it's now called Eskenazi Hospital. Then it was called Wisher. And yeah. then at that time when he worked, it was called General Hospital when my grandfather worked there. Hmm. So like I'm so I'm gonna ask the question again because we kind of went sidetracked. So what is um so just name like some of the most important ways. I mean, I'm sorry, I mean just name some of the things that you know, Papoose, why how is he so important to you and stuff? What what looking back, what were some of the things that, that you um you know <laughs> I know you and Pat. I know you and Pat Poos are real. Were real close, you know. I think out of all the three of y'all, I think you and Pat Poos were the most close out of you, Judy and Jeffrey. Although Jeffrey was a close second, um, but so that's what I'm saying. Like when you were, um, well, in your life. How daddy, was it important? The mo- uh, daddy had, was a small man in stature, but he had a real heavy voice. He had a big man's voice. And he had, and you know, when Papoose entered the room, he, I mean, he was a big, I mean, to I mean, you know what I'm saying? His, his aura was mm-hmm. huge. Even when yeah. he was, when he was like 70 something years old, when Papoose came into the room, everybody looked at him. I mean, it was like one of those things where he had an aura about him. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was like that, you know, uh, he, uh, you know, one thing I'm going to tell you uh, about, uh, leadership, mm-hmm. like uh, now they say leaders are, are are born, and then they say leaders are taught to be leaders, and you know there's that's a debatable thing. But like Daddy was the uh, uh, was the union steward on his job, and yeah. so on that that was a good position for him to have, you know. And like, uh, every, but anywhere he went, he was always sort of a he was a quiet person. But daddy, you could tell daddy had leadership skills, you know, and uh, it's just that's just the way he was. And a lot of times, uh, you know, he, he sort of was like a, a quiet, like leader type person, too, mm-hmm. you know. But but don't get him mad. He was a little dude. So, OK. All right. So you said. Um, so what I'm going to ask you now, though, is. What are some of the most important ways that Papoose helped mold you into a man? Can you, can you give me some specific incidents that? Mm. Well, Daddy sort of like he didn't talk a lot. I mean, not like unless he really knew you. Daddy didn't really talk a lot, mm-hmm. you know. But the thing about it, he was more he led more Mike by example. Mm-hmm. You know, he uh, he was the type of guy that. Uh, you know, he just, you know, just led by example. Uh, my father, uh, I would, I used to work with daddy, you know, and he had several jobs over a period of time. He used to uh, do cars, uh, buff cars and detailed cars. And me and Jeffrey used to help him do that. Uh-huh. Uh, then then uh, right before I got married, he uh, was, uh, it was his part-time job. He was, uh, 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 
he was a a, a jan- he was the head of the, he had a, a, a janitorial crew and I worked I worked for him and Jeffrey worked for him too and uh, I worked in a bank I cleaned up a bank and he was uh-huh. he was at that at the bank a lot because he had other people that worked for him at the bank that did him so we go in at six o'clock at night and get off at twelve you know noon and so daddy uh he was my boss and stuff you know he was real cool uh I learned a lot like. He did a lot of things like when he uh, was uh, like younger than that, when we were living on uh, uh, Sunset, he was a night watchman and he cleaned up the uh, the place for this uh, Cornelius Printing Company. He worked there. It's, it's no longer if the building is there, but it's not in business. Now. Uh-huh. But he would go and he would put me in a room. He, would let, he wouldn't let me and Jeffrey go together, Harley. He would just let one of us at a time go off, you know. But anyway, he put us in a room and he, and go and do what he would go around and, and do the floors. And he, you know, it was a clock out. You know, I think he had the clocks that he would do, you know, uh, for the go different areas of the building. So he did a lot of stuff, different things over the years. He, he was, uh, used to work at Indianapolis Power and Light Company a long time ago. Uh, you know, he just was, you know, just, just, just a lot of things. The thing about it is my father was that I always knew, once I always knew he loved me. Mm-hmm. I always knew he wasn't going to hardly lie to me. <laughs> you said uh, hardly. And I always, <laughs> well, you know, not that I know of, you know, I don't I mean, you know, right. I don't know, but he just, he wasn't, a, you know, some people are a lie every now and then. And some people are habitual liars. Got that and right. Some people, everybody's probably lies sometimes before they life, you know. But daddy, mm-hmm. he, daddy, he, daddy definitely he didn't, he didn't like to lie, you know, mm-hmm. and, he, and he didn't like you to lie either, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I know we we uh, we were moving one time. We were moving from the campus now uh, into was out of the campus apartments. The campus apartments was across the street from the OYMCA. In the fact, they're still there. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, we were moving. Me, Jeffrey, Judy, Daddy, and my and Mama, and so uh, Daddy Jeffrey. Started messing with Judy and Judy started hollering and crying, you know. So normal. That's, that moving. was usual. <laughs> that was normal. Yeah. <laughs> Judy. Uh, and so daddy ran back up the steps, you know, while we were moving. He slapped, he slapped Jeffrey and he slapped me too. <laughs> what did he slap you, know, you for? <laughs> yeah, because he said I was doing it. And I got and I that, that's the only time he's ever done anything to me that I was I thought was unfair. He did it, you know, it was an emotional thing. Uh-huh. He was trying to move and everything. And so he said he was sorry later on because my father didn't you know, hardly whip us or nothing. I mean, he would whip sometimes, but he wasn't no uh, person to just do something to you. You know, he wouldn't do that. And he always, you know, he always had justification for doing something to you. If my father whipped you, you deserve to be whipped. But uh, this particular time, he was just doing so much and, and he just heard Judy crying or hollering or screaming or whatever she was doing. Uh-huh. And so he ran back up the steps and slapped Jeffrey and he slapped me. Hurt, hurt, that hurt me like hell. I said, wow. <laughs> I said, that thing, daddy slapped me for I didn't even do anything. You know? Man, you know how it is. You know, Man, when them girls start crying, because Feeney, Feeney, Feeney's my sister, y'all. Feeney would get me the same way. I get in trouble because yeah. <laughs> feet start crying and first thing y'all go, boy, what you do to that girl? It was all. Yeah. <laughs> How, this is something now, I know I have never asked you about this, but this is, I, it's something I thought about when I was writing the questions. Oh. I thought about, so when you and mama, how did you and mama start dating? You and Mama me. Did somebody introduce y'all? Or you y'all, you just met out the blue at a party. We just met at a party. I went, I went to a party a uh, couple of streets over from her, and uh, the first time I'd ever seen her, even though I lived in that neighborhood uh, before, I didn't live there then. But I, we, me and Jeffrey and Mama and Judy, Dad, we lived in that neighborhood. So, mm-hmm. but uh, we lived in the Ransom apartments, and then one time we lived in the campus apartments. So, uh, and then Granny lived with us in, in both parts. I forgot about that. Granny lived with my grandmother, uh, my mother's mother. She lived with us uh, 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 in both apartments. Yeah. So, and then, like I said, bet your mother. Uh, I was 17, and uh, that was it. You know, met her and 
you know, she was real young. And I was real young doing stuff we weren't supposed to be doing, shouldn't have been doing. Well, and that's I how mean, you got. That's how you got here. Well, we're gonna know? talk about that in a second. But I want to know, like, come on, man, now, come on now. How did you like you? You okay? I know you a smooth talker, man. So you just didn't go. Oh, you just didn't. You know, see her. Then y'all started just dating and talking and just start. no. What did you? What did you say when you first saw her? How did she look to you? I mean, what made you want to talk to her? What made you? You know what I'm saying? Oh well, it was in a ba- it was a basement party. It was oh house there. party. So, so, uh oh, it was a house party. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and so what happened was, uh, I, you know, I had a car, and you know, like back then, uh, kids didn't have cars. My age didn't have a car. I was one of the very few that had that car. I was going to a Short Ridge High School uh-huh. when I had a car. Mm-hmm. One thing about having a car at a young age, it it it, it affords you a lot of uh, freedom. Freedom mm-hmm. that maybe you don't deserve, don't need it, you know. Right. So I exactly, you know. So uh, I, and I tell anybody, you know, if you, if you're going to have a car at that age, you know, you need to, uh, your parents need to be you need to be well schooled on how to to uh, have a car. Mama you said know. the other day. Mama uh, said the other day. Mama said, "Boy, yo, he was uh, her and Mary was talking, and Mama said, boy, your daddy." He he said uh, he said man okay everybody my nickname is man so that's what they call me in my family it's not Jerry they call me man so my mother told my wife she said she said boy man your man's daddy boy he was fine when we were little he was a good looking man <laughs> so obviously obviously mama lo- yeah and she he, she did she said you know Jerry was good too but fine too but. She she said you was fine. She said, yeah, he was fine. And, and Mary just started giggling like a mug, man. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I mean. So, you know, when you saw, I mean, mama just out came out and said that you was nice. So when you when you saw her, I mean, okay, it's dark. I became I've been to house parties too. I mean, come on, I know what's up. You you see the woman. Mm-hmm. What did you think about it? When you well, saw back her? in those days, back in those days, I was trying to, you know. Trying to really, uh, I was trying to be Rudolph, Black Rudolph Valentino. There you go. Amen. There you go. Now we talking. <laughs> now we talking. <laughs> you know, that, that, was, that was my game, you know. So, right. uh, so how'd, was, you, you know. how'd you approach her? How'd you talk? What'd you say? You remember? Well, your mother was real young and innocent, like, you know, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. She looked older. Really, she did. Uh-huh. But and then you know, so we uh I just started talking to her, you know, we did a little uh, making out, you know, a little stuff, just kissing and stuff like that. Then I took her home. And then I called her and uh, you know, kept talking to her. Uh so basically and, you met y'all, you and mama met like me and Mary did almost, basically. Cause I was married, me and Mary were like 12 years old when we met, and you and mama were like 15. And so if you was fit, she, so you were 16 or you were 17 or eight, like you was how old when you I met was mama? 17. When you she, met she her. She was 15. She was 15, getting ready to turn 16. Uh-huh. I was 17, getting ready to turn 18. When y'all met, actually met. Yeah, when we actually met. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <sighs> so that's now. So, okay. So I'm gonna ask. So now you ain't gonna expect this question because it ain't really coming from you and mama's point of view. Uh, uh, how did how did Papoose react when you told him that mama was pregnant with me? Do you remember? Uh, uh, but that was a uh, that, that whole time was uh, really sort of difficult, really. Mm-hmm. From from. Mama, Daddy, Mister Mister Thomas, who are uh, Glenda's mother and father, you know that was a difficult time, you know. You so know, explain, so, go ahead. I was gonna say explain well, back then because the way when 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 people have sex today and 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 the kid comes today is nothing like it was then. So I was because I I'm, I was asking you to like kind of like bring that in like. Explain like how that was back then till it is now. You know what I'm saying? Well, back then, when you get a girl pregnant, a lot of times they want you to get married. Mm-hmm. So that created a problem uh, in a way. 
Yeah. For, for me, because like I, uh, I wasn't ready to get married. Glenda wasn't ready to get married, you know. But so what happened was Mr. and Mrs. Thomas and then mom and daddy went back and forth about where we're going to get married. You know, they was expecting me to marry her, you know, mm. which uh, really shouldn't have really. I think your mother was the person I should have married. I think we should have married each other 10 years later. I don't think that was, the timing was bad. You know, because either one of us experienced enough. I'm sort of like this. Uh, I think sometimes you can put people together and you think that they're going to, because whatever circumstances, you know, you try to put them together. And then back then, like I say, uh, in fact, I think mama and, and, and daddy, maybe mama more so than daddy, uh-huh. uh, got a little mad with Mr. and Mrs. Thomas, upset, I'll say. And maybe Miss Thomas, they got a little mad with, with uh, uh, Mama and Mama, especially because they felt that Mama at first she said she w- didn't want us to get married. She was because she, she wanted me to go to college and da da da. They had plans, you know, and stuff. So, uh, right. but uh, like I say, really, it all stands for stems from having that car. I had too much freedom. <laughs> That's right. That dirt car, man. If it wasn't for that car, (laughs) (laughs) I had too much freedom, man. Because I had I had other girlfriends, you know. Exactly. Other girlfriend. In fact, uh, I'll tell you something sort of funny. Uh, Uh When me and Glenda was getting married, my friend or my my girlfriend before Glenda was uh, Betty. Her name was Betty, Mm. and so uh, uh, Betty used to go to Charlotte High School. Then she transferred to Addicts. I I had gone to Christmas Addicts for two weeks, and then I transferred to Short Ridge the rest of my time in high school. Uh-huh. So what had happened was, uh, me, and, me and Glenn was getting ready to get married. We got married, uh, what, November the 5th, I believe, of 66, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, no. 65. We got married uh, no, November the 5th of 1965. And so, well, anyway, Judy, she was going, my sister Judy, she was going to Addicts, too. Uh-huh. And so uh, when I was getting, we, me and Glenn were getting ready to get, get married. We finally, you know, so we're going to go on and get married. And so what happened was Betty, my girlfriend, Betty was, she, me and I hadn't, I had seen her and I probably was still dating her. I don't know. I don't remember that part. But anyway, she was walking down the street and Judy saw her. And so Judy ran up to Betty and said, yeah, you know, Jared's getting married this week, don't you? Uh, <laughs> you're just trying to get you shot. <laughs> what? Hey, you married. So, anyway, Mary started crying, I mean, Betty started crying and ran down the street, ran down the street, you know, and uh, it was, uh, you know, I hadn't told her. I couldn't tell her. You yeah. know, that, which that was, that was a letdown. I couldn't tell her, you know, just uh Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's what happens. And so, you know, when you got when you got uh, freedom, and like you're not focused, you know, like when I was in uh, uh, going to uh, school forty three, that was when the school thirty six. That was my first school I went to. Then I went to school forty three, and then my very my half last, last half year uh, in high in, in uh, uh, junior high school. The very last six months or so, that's uh-huh. when we had eight A eight B, like you know, or seven A seven B, and like that. So in eight A, in eight eight B, I was in uh, school going to forty three, and then in January I transferred to school sixty four on the south side. That was a culture shock. That was oh, a real culture why, shock. Why? Why do you say that? Well, if school forty three, it was a real. It's from a, a standpoint of uh, learning. A, intellectual thing, you know, it was, a, it was a higher rated school. It was just a good, really good school. If you came out of school 43 and uh, you had to test in the short ridge too. Just, so you had to, black kids, you said, I don't know if everybody, I know black kids used to have to test in the short ridge. Uh-huh. So, but I got in, I had to take a test. I don't know why. I just never had to take the test to get into Short Ridge High School, which is a high, a high academic school. Very then, and School Forty Three was a high academic uh, junior high school. Well, well, no, it was what middle school, junior high school. And so, what happened was in the eight eight, we moved on the south side. We moved from uh, Sunset on the south side, which uh, my mom, mom and daddy, they were having some issues. So 
Uh, some things went down and our financial situation changed. So we moved on the south side for that last six months when I was in the AA, and that was a culture shock to me. Culture shock. The stuff that they had known at uh, learning in school 64, I learned when I was three years earlier. There was a total, like, they, they, they think, well, they were a lot of loose, more loose. Like, that's why I got into girls because a lot. I got into girls out there. Yeah, because you probably got bored. Uh, I started, you know. Yeah, because you probably got well, bored. It's just they had a different lifestyle. Out there, mm-hmm. you know, girls, you know, they were, a lot of them were already having sex at, at uh, 14, 13, stuff like that. And, you know, it was just a different thing. My cousin, Lois, she lived out there. Uncle Edward, his, his family, they lived out there in Barrington, too. So mm-hmm. anyway, very first day I got out of school, 64, culture shock. <laughs> dude named Michael Strayer, uh, he wanted to fight me. Very first day, we was in there, got in the locker room. He wanted to fight me in the gym. Uh-huh. I ain't done nothing to him, nothing. And so a, a guy that got to be my uh, lifelong friend before he died, his name was Stanley Wilson, we call him Fox. He told, he told, he, he told Mike, they said, man, you need to, don't do that. Don't do that to him. You guys, he's Lois's brother, cousin, rather, la, la, la. So Stanley helped him, kept him from jumping on me, you know, because I don't know if I could have handled Mike or not back then. I don't know if I could, you know, so. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. But then laid down years later, he and I started working at the same job. We came, became good friends, Michael, 20, uh, 20 some years later. But uh it just, I don't know, out there we had a, it was just a different thing. Had a park right there at the school. You come right out there, uh, called Bethel Park. You come out of the school, go right to the park. A lot of stuff happened in Bethel Park, you know, you know, over the years and stuff. It was, it had its own, it was a real close-knit area out there for black people. You uh-huh. know? And so we moved out, we stayed out there six months, and then in Barrington, and then when it's time to go to high school, we moved to, uh, uh, up here on uh, uh, what I tell you, campus apartments, and then we moved to the ransom apartments, and then that's when I went to Short Ridge for two weeks to an addicts Christmas addicts for two weeks. My mother told me, Mom said, "Well, you're too smart to go to addicts because addicts used to be at one point in time. You know, Christmas addicts used to be the number two rated high school in the United States, black wow. or white. Wow, it was a name. You know the reason why because they had professors teaching there and the black professors, they couldn't go to other schools. So the, oh. the, white, people wouldn't let, the white people wouldn't let them teach there. So they had, they taught at Christmas addicts. And so you get professors teaching young kids. So, you know, they're going to be, you know, like I say, I was very surprised. It was the number two rated high school color to have anything to do with in the United States at one time. And then what happened was, uh, it began to decline as, as integration really messed it up. It, 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 yeah. And I think integration hurt black people more than help black people, in my opinion, because yeah. you, used to, you used to go down on Indiana Avenue. They had all these stores and in the black community had uh, pharmacies. It had theaters. It had uh, 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 cab companies. It had uh, different types of businesses, all types of businesses, the black community was self-sufficient. That's what, Mary, that's what Mary always so, says. You know, and so what happened was the black, uh, when integration came, people just started moving out, you know, and moving all in different neighborhoods and all that. And, and that was a, that was a trick thing for black people. It really was, you know, because divide, when you division, you cannot, you cannot do well or achieve something when you divide it. Just like a man and a wife. Mm-hmm. If a man and wife are really hostile towards each other and they trying to, they cannot do something to get together and accomplish something when they so divided. So anytime you, that, that, that's a div- division is a device used, uh, in my opinion, by the dominant, uh, dominant authority, dominant people to keep black people the way we are today. No, yes, sir. So, so okay, you you know, did Papoose tell grandmother that you guys were getting married, or y'all just knew it? Like, our our grandma who told who who knew that 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 mama was uh having the baby first? You, I mean, uh, Papoose or grandmother? 
Do you remember? Uh, I think Miss Thomas them called Mama them and told her. I think that's the way it went down. Yeah, because they go, they gonna see it before. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay, so check so, this out. You know, oh, go ahead. But, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. Uh, well, it, we, you know, it, it was a uh, back then getting married for me. It was an on and off type thing. I like certain aspects I loved about it. Certain aspects I didn't like about it. You know. Mm-hmm. But bottom line, I wasn't uh, I wasn't emotionally ready for it. You know, uh, it, it uh, really uh, it changed my life. But a lot of good things happened, man, you know, so, so I, that brings me to this to this question. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you got this, you know, you got this new family. You got me, mama and you. Mm-hmm. And. How was that? How was life after? How was life after when I came? It was just us three. How how was that? How was that? It was cool. It was cool. I I liked it. I I, I liked it. You know, you little boy, and we had you. I took you over Miss Sharon's them the family friends, and uh, you know, and take you around. You know, you my little son and stuff. You know, people. You know, they talk about how cute you were, stuff like that. They used to talk about how cute a couple, me and Glenda, your mother. How people you say I'd be going, we be going somewhere, and we married. And everybody now, people still in high school. They say, "Oh, y'all married it." La 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 la. Couple. How does it feel to be married? And la 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 la. You know, uh, what we what we had done was we uh, we had gotten a, an apartment uh, in Mama and Daddy's house. We they had an attic up there, so they, we took and made the attic our apartment. And so mama wanted me to go back to school, finish school, you know, high school, didn't go to college and da, 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 da. You know, that was the plan. But a lot of times people look at things. Yeah. Life is very good. I'm going to tell you what, for years and years, I looked at it like, wow, I got married at such an early age. Da, 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 da. You know, I'm thinking all the, a lot of negative things. And then I got to thinking about the Vietnam War. Back then, the Vietnam War was on. So what they were doing, they was drafting brothers, people, period. A lot of people, you know, I, I think I was a one, probably with a one A classification. But then when I had a baby and got married, they put me in a different classification. So they never did call me to, for the, uh, to be drafted. And a lot of my friends and uh, even one of my cousins, they wow. went to Vietnam. My one of my cousins, he got murdered. He got shot, really, and killed in Vietnam. And I had a lot of friends that went to Vietnam. And some of them didn't make it back. And some of the ones that didn't make it back, they didn't make it back mentally. Right. They didn't make it back. So I said, wow, you know what? I got married at 17, had a child. But if I hadn't done that, that might have been me in Vietnam. Yeah. So you know where you don't want to go. So I Go ahead. No, I was gonna say. So, be honest, man. Growing when I was growing up, did I? What kind of kid was I? Did I? Did I cause you? Did I cause your mama a lot of problems? Not really. You just an average child, regular child. You know. Uh, the only thing about you, you a Taurus, and you real. You know, you got a. You know how Tauruses are. They got that very opinionated, very difficult sometimes to. To do deal with them, forces, and I find, you know, other than that, now, nah, you know, but being that way probably has helped you be who you are today. It helped you probably playing football. It helped you uh, probably in the military, in the Air Force, you know. So uh-huh. it sort of it goes both ways. Anything you have to look at both the the pros and cons of anything, you know. And so, but as far as that, you you're a pretty good kid, really. You know, you and Fiend, both Jennifer, my daughter, my daughter Jennifer. You see, I me- children. see I that's how them. I measure. I measure by how many whoopings I got. <laughs> I said, so I look at a little, I didn't get a, I mean, I got whoopings, but I didn't get a whole lot of whoopings. So I figured I wasn't that bad. <laughs> well, I really didn't like, the, I really don't like to whip kids. I really don't. But, and I'm, and some kids, you don't have to have to whip. I'm, I'm from the old school. I believe in whipping ass. I believe in whipping ass when it calls for it. But first of all, I learned one thing that that uh, I learned from Daddy: never whip a child when you're mad. Mm-hmm. Go and calm down, so you you know rein yourself back back in, and then 
you know, if you're going to whip them, go in there and whip them. And like mama, she, mama, she goes, she, you know, she's the more emotional type. Yeah. You know, but yep. the thing about it is daddy would tell you why he's whipping you. I'm going to tell you why I'm going to whip you, why I'm whipping you. You know, but he didn't whip me that much. He just, of course, daddy probably didn't put me 10 times in my whole life. Maybe not even, but six or seven, maybe, you know, but when he whipped you, you know, it's for a reason. He'd tell you what the reason was, you know? So, uh, that it was, it was, it was, uh, you know, I had a real interesting childhood really to me. Uh, mama, mama kept it interesting. She was really a different kind of person. Yeah. You always talk <laughs> about grandmother. So like, when you say, when you say those, you always say those little senses about grandma, like, oh, she was a very interesting kind of person, or mama was, lit. you never really come out and like just like tell like specific situations and stuff how she was. Well, mama, well, I, I, I tell you, this is, uh, mama, say like in the morning, we get up and get ready to go to school. Uh huh. So mom might get to arguing or fussing or whatever, you know, she gets man. we might do something. She might, you know, annoy her, get her upset. So she just start because she's real hyper. Mom was real. No, not hyper. I won't say hyper. I take that back. Mama was real uh, uh, intense on some sometimes, uh-huh. she, you know, real, real intelligent person, very intelligent. So <laughs> so mama, say, say mama gets mad in the morning when we go to school. Right. Uh-huh. So then. We go home, we come, we stay at school all day. We come home and open up the door. And mama started talking about the same thing like we never left. It's like she opened up and like the conversation still going. That the same conversation <laughs> that we had that morning, they opened up the door and she's still right. doing it. She's she still on it. <laughs> same thing. Yeah. She would do that. Yeah. She would do that, you know. And just just like it was, just like we had an intermission. You know, right, right. We're going to take an intermission, y'all. We'll be back in four hours. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it was, you know. Mama used to do a lot of stuff, you know, like she used to go to the polls and, uh, you know, like cook food and the dinners and stuff. And when mm-hmm. Mama cooked, everybody always, all the thing always came back empty. She cooked these rolls. Everybody loved a roll. Then she put the cooked the strawberry coconut, I mean a coconut uh pineapple cake, and everybody would eat it all. Mama didn't never no, never, never anybody for food would all eat, eat up everything, man. You know. I got a wife like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's good. So okay, so how did it yes. come? Yes, that- sir. How did it come that me, you, Mama, and Feeny spent so much time at Grandmother and Papu's house? I mean, it's like that was like our second home. It's like almost like our first home. It's like we was always over there. How did it come that we was all over there so much? Because I like being around my mother and father, my my family. Mm-hmm. And they, they had a on Sundays, you know, it was like an open invitation to come to, to dinner. I'd go to their house anytime. It didn't really make any difference. But Sunday, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mom would cook and stuff and, uh, you know, the food would be there. So, you know, I just like being around. I like being around them. Mm-hmm. So the last question on this, on this area, and then we're going to move into a couple of um, societal questions. Like, <sighs> looking back, what were some of the ways your family, Papu's, you, grandmother, Jeffrey, and Judy, what were some of the ways that you were different from mama's family? You know, Leslie, grandmother, Papu, I mean, grandmother, granddaddy, Leslie, Junior, all them. What were some ways that y'all, the families were different, but also what were some of the ways that they were, they were the same? Well, I think Mr. and Mrs. Thomas, uh, it was eight, eight, they had eight children. And I think that their family was not as, uh, excuse me, as, not as, uh, uh, when it comes to, I don't think they, they, they were really, uh, when it came to the children, I don't think they did as much one-on-one as mama did. Mm-hmm. My mother, mama was a real one-on-one person. With each, with each of her children, 
you know, it was so many. And Miss Thomas worked a lot. Mr. Thomas worked. So I don't think they I think they were good parents, but I don't think they were. Uh, I, I, they, I don't think they had the time. And it's the, because of the numbers and they're working to do one on one as much. But they but their family is a really good family. You know, it's really, really good family. I, I, yeah, I, I love Miss Thomas and Mr. Thomas. They, they have a good family. So what was some of the what is a, what is a way that we were like not we but what was a, a way that grandmother and papoose were kind of this, you know you, you, the famous were the same were kind of a little the same oh they well they you know family oriented you know they you know Miss Thomas and Miss Thomas they they family is a women's family real family oriented uh you know uh and that's just like we were uh like I say uh, mama excuse me mama. She didn't work that much. She worked. <laughs> Daddy was saying, "Yeah, she go get a job and work just long enough to go get a bill. And then she come yeah, home." And yeah. Stay high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but Daddy was from the old school. He really didn't want her to work. Right. He really didn't. You know, he want he wanted he wanted his dinner on the table when she came home. When he came home, rather. You know, draw his bath water, and you just you know, in that in that uh, 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 perspective, from that perspective, Mama was a good mother. You know, she 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 cooked cooked well, kept the house really nice. You know, and, and see, that's what I'm talking about. I should have asked Papoose, Papoose, how you how you get a woman to draw you some bath water? Yeah. <laughs> from the old school, it's old school, you know. Yeah, yeah, man. When you got that, when you have that, that's what we've gotten away from. Uh, yeah, uh, in, yeah. In, in this country, and that's why I found people think uh, that money is the key to uh, having a great life, and money has its, its place, of course. Mm-hmm. But that, but it's not the number one thing. The, the number one thing to me is having a love uh, and, and compassion, and passion, compassion rather, for your family. Mm-hmm. And and that sometimes that's not easy to do because yeah. of the, the, the way society is today. They make it so like used to be in, in, in a long time ago. The, the economy was set up for the woman to stay at home and the man just to work. Right. So then they say, oh, wait a minute. Well, we're going to fix this. We're gonna let we're gonna fix the economy. So like it's almost imperative, unless you're making a whole lot of money, the wife has gotta work also. Yeah. And that's a bad thing because you gotta think about it. When you take your wife, your wife is not uh your wife that's your wife. She's the mother of your children. But when you put her out there in the job market, see that's a totally different thing. Because you gotta Especially she's attractive, it looks nice. You got guys tra- cracking on her, they women cracking on her. You got the boss trying to get in her pants, you know. And, you know, you don't know this, you might not even know right. this. You, you know, you working too. You, you working know, too. Really. So, you know, <laughs> you know, she out there on the don't working, trying to make, you know, trying to help the, the family. And we we become a two-family income, yeah, a two-job uh, uh people working, and that it sounds good. But really, it's, it to me, it, it helps destroy the family. It it it, uh, it does something to the family in a, in a positive. It's, it's a it's a con. It's not a It's not a positive to me. To me, but I used to not think that. I used to think that it was. You know, I was like I you. Was, I, I was the same way. I was yeah. I thought it was all right. But see, I found out yeah. firsthand, and a lot of my audience, my audience knows about my past. So like when I was married to uh, Rini, she was out there, and that and the stuff that you said. Just ha- was the same stuff that happened to her, to me and her. You know, oh. dudes cracking on her because she's a nice looking woman and stuff. You know, before I know yeah. it, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. before I know it, you know. Well, and it doesn't, and it doesn't take much if your marriage ain't going the way. Here's what happens: it's like a snowball effect. You put your wife out there to work in the job market. Okay, so maybe for whatever reason that starts your your relationship to uh, you know to go south somewhat. Mm-hmm. So then when it starts to go south, then both of y'all may start looking on one of you, possibly both of y'all say, start looking for somebody else to fill that void that you're not getting when you had when before she went out on the job market. Because now her focus is not just on the house and the kids. 
Her focus is on this person that she's dealing with. And you might be too. You know, when you go on some jobs, I've worked on jobs where uh, they call them uh, job house and housewife and house husbands, where they're married. They're not legally married, but they dating on the job and they just like husband and wife. In fact, on some jobs, the hus- the job husband and job wife see each other more than the ones that are really married That's to right. each other. Because you right. on a job, say you hours a day, eight hours a day, y'all doing you might go home that night at five, five or six o'clock. Hell, you in the bed by a certain time, you sleep. You know, you fell asleep, you getting ready for the next day. But uh, on the job, you with this person sitting in, don't work overtime. That's 10, 10 or 12 hours you with that woman, you know, or with that man. So that 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 to me, looking in the bigger scheme of things, has changed. And then you know, now today, what what really is bad, especially for black women, is that uh, uh thing, an independent woman. Yeah, yeah, I'm an independent woman. And what does that really mean? You're an independent, independent. That means well, that means you're lonely. <laughs> that means. <laughs> <laughs> that means you don't have nobody or no soulmate. You yeah, that you sleep. That means you sleeping with other dudes that just come in and leave you, and then stay a while, and they go find another. You know, that's what that really means. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, and I understand. Okay, working in the uh, living in the context of the way the country and the world is shaped today. Okay, if you're gonna be an independent woman, what you call an independent woman, I say okay, go ahead on and do what you're gonna do. But then it let it come to a point in time where, yeah, okay, I want to be married and I want to have a family and I want to commit to my family. You know, don't be half right. doing it. Don't be out here, well, okay, I'm going to get married and, and I'm going to have this baby uh, two years, for two years. I'm going to stay home. Then I'm going to go back in the workforce and da 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 you know, and come back. That's, that, that does things. That changes, that changes the family structure, in my opinion. You, know, yeah. you can't just uh, all this. All the things I'm saying to you are, are probably totally different than the way I used to think. But as I've gotten older and I see how work life really is, it was really important. It's important to have your family and friends, good friends, a good family. So that's that's more important to have that than anything. Money comes and goes. You know, it it, it just not you know. You, of course, money is a necessary commodity. You know, but how much money? How much money do you need? Or yeah. just like some of these people are so rich, what's the difference between having one billion billion dollars and two billion dollars? Is it going to really make your life that much better to have two billion rather than one billion? Right. And money. Money is a right. tool. Money is a tool, and it's meant to it's meant to sustain you and bring a certain amount of joy and harmony and pleasure into your life, but. Money is not supposed to be the main focus of your life mm-hmm. because we live in this life. You know, this is life. We're living this life. And so, therefore, if your main focus is money, money, money all the time, you're going to miss a lot, in my, in my opinion. And, you're miss and, a lot. and you know what? It's real easy to get in that trap, though. You know, it's real easy to get in the trap of you know, well, I got to put the food on the table. I got to, you know, I got to make this money. You know, I'm making just enough to pay the bills. Now I need that extra money. So I think that it's just not rich people that go through the, through that. Uh, I, I think that um, what happens is um, I think poor people and mid, 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 uh, middle class people go through the same thing. Everybody, it's a trap. It's an easy trap to fall into. So if you like what you're hearing and want to help others, here is what to do. Share this podcast with your friends on social media and other places you hang out. Here is how to help. You know, as well as I do, people are always having problems in their marriage, but just don't know where to turn. You can really help save a marriage and or a family by sharing this podcast with someone that you suspect is having problems. Here's where to go, www.savemycatholicmarriage.com. Signs them up for the podcast as well as the Marriage Masterclass training. Remember, we are our brother's keeper. Help save a marriage today, www.savemycatholicmarriage.com.
So I'm going to uh, ask you just yeah, a couple yeah. more questions because we're we're getting at a I think we're at an hour, but um, I don't want to keep you too long. So in your so we're going to go into some societal questions, some because you know my shows a lot about masculinity and stuff. That's one of the the main uh, proponents of the show. So in your opinion, oh. what is wrong with the state of masculinity today? Well, <laughs> the whole thing is uh, 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 they don't have it, whereas uh, uh, the society, this is when I mean they, I mean the people who run the world, you know, the people who possess the fire, mm-hmm. they want to make it a, 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 you know, a genderless society. Yeah. So how do you do that? There are many ways you can do that. One, you know, you can uh, make men effeminate. Uh, you can ridicule somebody for being a man or do, from acting as a man. That's why we get the, the term toxic male. Yeah. I mean, what the hell is a toxic male? You're yeah. a man. How can you be toxic if you? That's what you're supposed to be. Right. You know, don't and don't get me wrong. Uh, I think if if you have issues with your sexuality, you know, then I think you need to go get the proper counseling. You know, because I think some people just. I think they they were born. They have they have issues, and, and, and that's that's just part of living. So okay, but by the same token, how can we force people that are who they were made to be from a from a, a, a biological standpoint, man and male and female? How can we try to push them into being uh, genderless, non-gender? Yeah, how can we do that? Right, you know, you're trying to change. You're trying to change. Uh, the genetics of life. You know, you try to you try to make life into what you want it to be, not to what it is. Amen, so brother. I have a problem with I have a problem with that. Amen, brother. Amen. Um, so this is one that me and you talk about all the time. Mm. And we agree on it too, but I'm a, I'm gonna be I'm gonna play the, the curious reporter. <laughs> in your uh in your opinion also how has feminism destroyed the family and hurt the state of christianity and and society okay well i'm not going to answer one about christianity I, I, that's a different kind of thing well, but I honestly will. hold up honestly it's all really it's all the, whatever you're gonna say it's all the same I just put that in there because basically I know it's whatever it's all three of them. It hurt all three of them the same, but go ahead. Well, I think if you look at societies, you know, uh, societies are in the past, you know, you need the man, male and female. You just, that's, that's just a part of life. And when you start dividing that up and then, you know, it's a heck of a thing, you know, when you walk around <laughs> today and somebody will say, they had this lady the other day. She said something. I can't wait till my son gets old enough or, or whatever it is so he can decide what gender he wants to be. I know. That is so sad. <laughs> Come on, it's, it, it's sad. It is. It's sad, man. It is. Uh, but but the thing is, uh, is hurting, the, hurting, the main thing that's hurting uh, people, period, is that uh, the focus of life has been changed, especially in yeah. this country. The focus has been self- changed, and you know what? Every man, people are so selfish. That is where it all stems from. Yeah. You know, iPhone. You know, my website, my my my, me me me. Um, it's just completely different. Mm-hmm. Completely. Yeah. And the and the thing about it, it's not going to change in the near future. No, it's, it's not. Going it's only going to get worse. South. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I wish. I think that uh, the, there's some countries. You know, I don't know. I've heard that, like in some countries in Africa, some cu- countries in other parts of the world, they still adhere to uh, the male and female roles as husband and wife, or or whatever. Whereas other countries like. Uh, this is a European country, so they have a different mindset. You know, they, they well, see, see. Well, here's what happens, oh, yeah. Daddy. Just like like the Catholic Church in Africa and South America and all these other countries, what happens is they they try to hold up the the thing of 
marriage the way it's supposed to be, right? In the family. And then what America does, they go over there and start giving them all this money and say, you know, you get this money, then you got to do that. You got to do what I tell you to do. And that right there is why eventually if you keep, if people keep taking the money, they're going to, the people, and no matter where you live, they're going to start molding, going to where we're going. This country's going, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the last question is, would you, would you advise a young man to get married? Say what now? Would, you, would you advise a young man to get married knowing what you know? It would depend on the circumstance. It would age. Well, I mean, okay, no, no, no. I mean, it don't matter if he's twenty up to up to whatever. I mean, he's 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 ready to get married. I mean, he's mature enough to get married. Let's just put all the other mm. stuff. But would you know what you know? Would you advise? Would you would you think you think getting a, a young man getting married is a good thing? Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, of course. That's what we put here to do. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. part of the life cycle, you know, you know, to the thing about it is, you know, to, to procreate, to, to have, to have uh, children, you know, so, so to, they can carry on the society. And so, yeah, I definitely believe in marriage. Well, I definitely believe in that, you know, when it's right. Yeah. That's the hard thing. Make it, well, you don't know, you know, you're taking the, you know, well, when it's right, it's got to be worked at too. So, but hey, Daddy, thanks for coming yeah. on. And uh, you yeah. know, I know this is Friday night. This is Probably. your, you know, you've been in from the day. But I thank you for coming on and uh, entertaining us. Mm. <laughs> and uh, I want to mm. say I love you. And uh, I guess I will. We uh, for the Super Bowl, we going over our friend's house, the uh, Lamarks. So um, I guess mm-hmm. I'll probably see you later no then. Problem. Okay. All right. Tell me and the kids I said hi. All right. All right, Danny. All right, everybody. That was the interview with my father, and I hope y'all enjoy that. Um, And as we always do, we end with a quote from Pope Benedict XVI. Life offers you comfort, but you weren't made for comfort you were made for greatness so christian soldier the spiritual fight is up on you fast pray and prepare for battle thank you christian soldier for listening in today do you have a critical or pressing problem in your marriage right now want help come on the show and ask me in person We can do this completely anonymously. You don't have to be on camera or say your name. It's totally up to you. I would just love to have you as a guest on the show. More importantly, you would be helping other men as well. Contact me at RadicalQuestions at CatholicAlpha.com. And lastly, please share this podcast with someone that may need help in their marriage or relationship. Help me save a marriage today.